Hare Krishna, uh, Prabhu, welcome to the Sydney Temple. Hare Bol, thank you. Nice to see you here again. Uh, you were here same time last year? In April. April. Yeah. Okay. So you make uh, one trip to Sydney once a year? Sometimes more. It just depends. Depends yeah. on what's happening. I believe um, you had a, a deep history with the Sydney Temple as well. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your time here? How did you end up being at the Sydney Temple? Well, I remember years ago coming to Sydney when they held Rathiatra in the city. They used to have a big program just near Central Park there. Uh, not Central Park, Central Station. In one of the parks on the side of the station. And the first time I came, I was living in Coffs Harbour, I think, from memory. And I used to come down every year and help wrap the... They had these big ropes they'd use for the, the, the chariot to pull the, the, the rath. And they'd wrap them with fabric, you know, so that they looked nice. And then, so we used to do that, we used to tie them to the, the bottom of the stair, stair well, in, or the staircase in, Sydney, in the Sydney Temple in the King's Cross, and then wrap them with fabric. And then I remember one time when I was there, there was some electrical fault on the altar. And so the devotees asked me if I, if I could come and fix the electrical fault. So I did, that was the first time I went on the altar. It wasn't even, you know, anything, you know, it wasn't initiated or anything like that at that time. But you had heard about the devotees prior to this? Yeah, I, I met the devotees sometime before that. Uh, and the first place I, I went to, the first temple I went to was New Govardhan. And this the Sydney temple was the second temple. And I used to come down to Sydney fairly regularly when I was living in Coffs Harbour. And, um, you know, I'd stay with people in, in Darlinghurst and the temple was just not very far from Darlinghurst. Well, actually, it was in Darlinghurst. So, um, yeah, I used to go there quite regularly. And um, then some years later, <coughs> when Lakshmivan was the head Pajari, I, you know, since then I, I, I'd been trained in deity worship and I was training devotees around the world in deity worship. So when Lakshmivan was the head Pajari, I spent quite a significant amount of time here with him, working on the standards of worship, working on the procedures. And then I don't remember exactly what year it was, but one year I came here and spent four or five months here renovating the deity department so you know we, we built the altar and you know actually the whole deity department we, we gutted it and moved the deities out the front and put them in a rather go put them in a smaller temporary altar and then completely renovated the uh, deity department put marble floor marble walls everything like that did you come from a background of i had a bit of experience but not like i was a builder or anything like that but i just had experience so that was your first attempt at using your skills in Krishna's service, probably? Mm. Not really. I mean, you know, like I said, I've been doing it for years before that, just, just, just doing, you know, I mean, as far back as 1980, I guess, maybe before that. Maybe in 1980, you know, I was just doing different things, coming to the festivals, coming to the temples, things like that. That probably would have been... Um, around the early 90s that I uh, that we redid the altar here. I think the deities might have moved over here in 94 or 5. Right. And I believe your main service now is uh, related to deity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I serve um, 
in the capacity of ISKCON Deity Worship Minister. And so essentially that's aiming at, at trying to guide and inspire devotees in Deity Worship, you know, help with training and stuff like that. But primarily it's just trying to inspire devotees because it's, you find it's not easy for devotees to stick, sometimes it's not easy for devotees to stick in one service because, you know, Kali Yuga, material world, you know, the nature of all these different things, it's not easy to stick at one thing, uh, especially if you're not feeling a lot of reciprocation or satisfaction for various reasons. You know, often it comes from just, you know, struggling to advance in Krishna consciousness or, you know, there's, there's so many factors involved. But, um, you know, having been doing de- de- having been doing deity worship for a long time myself and, and knowing others have done deity worship for a long time and seeing the benefits that one can accrue from doing deity worship, I see that if we can inspire others in their deity worship, they'll accrue the same benefits. And ultimately it means things like becoming peaceful, becoming satisfied, becoming purified. So if you know, I can inspire devotees in that path, that they'll get a lot of benefit from from deity worship. And was that the motivation for you to set up the training center in Mayapur, the Mayapur Academy? Well, <coughs> that was interesting because what happened there was, you know, fr- from traveling around the world quite extensively, I was seeing that there's a lot of work to be done you know, in terms of training Pajaris, helping them to establish standards of worship, you know, in line with the standards that Prabhupada wanted. Yet, just myself traveling around the world, I could see, you know, there's more than 400 temples in, in ISKCON. And if, if I was to visit, you know, each temple for a week, it would take me eight years to go, at least eight years to get to all the temples. So that didn't, didn't sound very practical to me. So the idea of establishing the school was to have greater reach. So rather than us going to all the temples, and we still still do travel to temples, but rather than going to all the temples in the world, we then thought, let the Pajaris come here. And um, so that proved to be quite effective. We average about 40 students a year who do the diploma course, and this year we're on our 11th year. So we've trained, you know, several thousand devotees at various levels of training and, and at the diploma level of training which is a 16 week course I would estimate we've done five around 500 wow. yeah, I mean I, I've never actually sat down and done the figures on it but you know every year there's at least 40 and it's uh, taught in English I believe there are more languages English uh, um, we, we started on a Hindi diploma this year also that's just in the beginning stage. I think it went for 12 weeks. I'm, I'm not very much involved in the other languages, but I think it went for 12 weeks. It was very successful. They had quite a lot of nice devotees there, head pajaris and things like that. Um, and we also do a Bengali diploma. So we alternate between the Hindi and the Bengali. But then one thing we, we've started working on last year, we, we did our first regional camp. Well, actually, two years ago, we did, we did this in... in um, Villa Vrindavan in Italy, we had a regional campus and, and where local Pajaris came for training. And that was successful, <coughs> but uh, I think we tried to, in that, that case, we tried to do too much and therefore um, 
we weren't able to achieve the goals we were trying to achieve with it by, by trying to do too many courses or too many units. So what we did last year in, in the UK at Bhaktivedanta Manor is we just presented the temple worship unit and we had 22 devotees went through the whole course, we were very successful and, and they, they you know, expressed their appreciation for what they got from the training and stuff and they feel it's really helped them a lot. Right. Do you see um, over your time, you know, almost 20, 25 years, do you see an increased liking for DT Seva from the devotee community, especially the youth? Especially. The young, the youth? I think, I think that's, um, I wouldn't say it's a widespread thing in ISKCON. I think it's more down to individual communities. Whatever you find the leadership in an individual community focuses on, then you'll find generally that's the focus of the community. And so if the leadership is able to inspire the community, because really, you know, as it says, that's what every great man does, the common man follows. So, you know, basically most people look for someone to follow, whether they do it consciously or not, we're looking for someone to follow. <coughs> and when you have someone who's very inspiring to follow, then you'll find that devotees will, you know, rally to that sort of path and, and then follow whatever that devotee is doing. So you'll find in, in temples where the leadership has a focus on preaching and, and outreach and things like that, then people are inspired to do that. Or if the leadership has you know, a, a focus on, on temple worship, then the, the voters will be inspired to do that. So you know, you'll see like with, with particular initiating spiritual masters, for instance, whatever their focus is, generally the disciples follow that focus yes. because they're inspired. Yes. And Krishna consciousness is something that comes from inspiration, not from just rules and books and things like that, but actually comes from personal inspiration. And that personal inspiration would be applicable to a pujari as well, although he has to follow the rules and regulations. Yeah. Well, ideally, the, the, you know, someone who takes up the role... See, there's, there's different things to look at there. You know, one person can just take up the duties of being a pujari and just go through and do the rituals and things like that. But then another person will take up the role of being a brahmana. Brahman is the leader of the community. And this is our goal with the Mayapur Academy, is not to train Pajaris. Our goal is to inspire devotees to become Brahmanas. Because then if one is a Brahmana, then all these things will be achieved. That's a very good point, yeah. yes. You know, if you have someone, because a Brahman is a leader. Someone who can do deity worship is just someone who can, you know, it's, it's like you can teach anyone to do rituals of deity worship. It's very simple. You know, they're very repetitive. But that's not what we're, we're trying to achieve. We're trying to you know, inspire devotees to see the value of being a Brahmana and to take up the role of being a Brahmana in the society because then they'll become leaders of the society because yes. that's the role of the Brahmana is to be a leader. And um, what difficulty do you see in uh, helping people become these ideal Brahmanas? There's, there's quite a range of challenges there, but it also, it's kind of, it's, it's two-sided, you know. It's a really positive thing, and, it, it, and one, once devotees get this inspiration 
then they just push ahead themselves. They don't need, you know, it's not, no longer difficult. So the point is to try to get them over this hurdle. Yes. Because you know, we, we have the material nature pushing back in so many different ways against us. And even just, you know, you know the notion of just like not actively working towards our personal cultivation and spiritual life in this material world, it's just like a mirror. If you just leave it sit there, it just becomes covered by dust. You don't have to do anything. It'll just gradually become covered by dust from the effect of being in the material world. So the same way for the soul in the material world, if they're not pushing back against the tide of material nature, then they become covered by the dust of the material nature and they become contaminated. So one needs to be active uh, in their endeavors, very active in their endeavor to overcome the effect of material nature, to overcome the, the, the conditioning that's pushed upon us by the material nature. So if we can help devotees to see how easy it is to apply themselves to the process of Krishna consciousness and overcome the effect of the material nature and then give them some guidance on, on you know, or show them the pathway or show them, you know, give them some skills and knowledge and stuff like that, then naturally they'll take it, take to the, the process because, you know, they can see superior and it's actually the nature of the soul to serve Krishna. So, <coughs> excuse me, uh, our, our main focus is to to really try to instill the values of Brahman Vaishnav in the devotees. Once they have those values, then then this then drives them to seek out the skills and the knowledge. So we really don't have to equip devotees so much with knowledge and skills if we can, you know, focus on the values. So we, you know, we do train devotees in knowledge and skills, obviously because temples are looking for people who can come, you know, devotees be able to come to the temple and dress the deities, cook the deities, offer arati, offer bhog, stuff like that, just do different yagas, samskaras and things like that. So obviously the, that knowledge and skills need to be there. But by focusing on the values, we then are able to put devotees in the situation where they focus on a lifetime of, of self-improvement. Not just they come once, they do a course, 16 weeks later they go home and that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. That's not what bhakti is about, that's not the process of devotional service. The process of devotional service means that our whole life is dedicated to improving ourselves as devotees, to, to you know, serving Krishna more and more effectively. That's a very good point. Um, you mentioned about 400 temples um, and I'm sure you would have gone to a good majority of them. Um, where do you rate the level of standard when it comes to deity uh, service. Is there a lot to improve or are you satisfied? I, I try not, even though I come and do revisions of the worship, I try not to rate or compare. I, I just don't think that's that does justice to the devotee service because if you look at, you know, like you, you can take two devotees both doing deity worship. You can look at the way one devotee is doing deity worship and you might think, well, this is not very good. Or you can look at another devotee who's doing, doing deity worship and think, oh, this is very good. But if you actually look at the intention of the devotees, they're both trying to the best of their capacity to serve the deities. That's really what you have to look at, is how they're trying to serve the deities. They're trying to do their best to please the Lord. And I think if we can always recognize that and try to bring that out and try to fan that spark, then the devotees will be trying to improve their service to Krishna. Sure. Whether it's at this level or that level, the main thing from my perspective is as long as we're trying to improve what we're doing. We may not necessarily have the skills, 
You know, like some devotees are, are fantastic cooks, other devotees aren't. But you know, you look at what is the intention of the devotee. If the intention of the devotee is to try to please Krishna with their offerings, then that's really what we need to fan. Not, not you know. And of course, you know, we want devotees to be able to cook things very well, or do arties very well, or whatever. And so the training is there. But the real thing I see is to try to fan that spark of attachment to serving Krishna, to pleasing Krishna. Then everything else will come. Sure. And finally, um, I've read some of the newsletters that come from the Mayapur Academy and I noticed that you uh, lay a special emphasis on having some quotes from Prabhupada mm -hmm. uh, in those newsletters. Now, over the years, with regards to deity service, uh, what's your favorite quote, either from Srila Prabhupada or from uh, a devotee colleague or from someone else? What's the one that always is in front of you? There's many amazing quotes from Srila Prabhupada, and, and it's hard to pick out a favorite because we find, you know, Prabhupada's quotes are are always relevant to a particular time, place, and circumstance, and we get ins different types of inspiration. There is one quote I find particularly inspirational. Uh, I'm only paraphrasing because my memory is not so good with these things. But Srila Prabhupada, <coughs> I believe it's in a prayer point. He, he writes something along the, along the lines of, of, of like, when the devotee dresses Krishna with all his heart and soul, and you know, he tries to please Krishna with his service, then Krishna smiles. And then if Krishna smiles upon you just once, your life's mission is perfected. So I think this is a very nice kind of mood. It's like, let's just try to get Krishna to smile upon us. Then everything else is okay. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, because Prabhupada doesn't talk about, you know, Krishna, uh, the devotee sort of dressing the deity to a certain level or anything. It just says, with his heart and soul. And that's what Krishna is looking for. So I think that's what we need to encourage devotees in deity worship is that with their heart and soul, they just try to please Krishna. And then Krishna will become happy. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Krishna uh, Kachuru. Thank you so much for sharing your, uh, your wisdom from your experience, from your seva, and, and um, with quotes like that, you know, just to get the smile from Krishna is pretty much our uh, mission in life. Uh, thank you so much and mission we look forward to mission accomplished uh, Most people think it's mission impossible, but it's a can be accomplished, but thank you so much We hope to welcome you back to Sydney over and over again, and I hope you spend weeks and months with us um, Thank you once again Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.